when we say the beautiful Hadron prayer, I want badly the Chevra to finish Mesechtas Kedushin, and I want guys to make Silnim to celebrate the completion of Mesechtas Kedushin, and then everybody reads the Hadron, the beautiful Hadron prayer that they say to their Mesechta. They talk and they have a very personal conversation out loud. It's very cool. You can analyze the Hadron and we will. And a guy talks to his Mesechta and he makes all sorts of prayers to Hashem, statements to his Mesechta. In his prayers that the finisher of a Mesechta says, he says, From my enemies, your mitzvahs make me smart. Simple pshat is The mitzvahs make me smarter than my enemies. Mitzvahs make somebody intelligent. That's what mitzvahs do. And they make me smarter than my enemy. May oivai from my enemy, sichakmeni mitzvahsecha. The mitzvahs make me smart. Mitzvahs are commands. It's not necessarily we would think mitzvahs make us smart. Mitzvahs make us obedient. We do what God commanded. Fascinating, it says that mitzvahs make us smart. May oivai from my enemies, sechakmeni mitzvahsecha. Mitzvahs make me smarter than my enemies. It's interesting. We associate mitzvahs with obedience. Hashem, God tells me to put on phylacrities and I put on my tefillin. I'm obedient. Did anybody get smarter from their tefillin today? Smarter? I was obedient, God said, and I did. Did anybody get smarter from the mezuzah on the door? Mitzvahs, besides being commands, Hashem wants us to study mitzvahs, and they teach us things about service of Hashem. Mitzvahs have the chance to make a person smart if we ponder the mitzvahs. We certainly do the mitzvahs, but after you do them, you're supposed to ponder the mitzvahs. Says the eras tichli be'emuna, the erasin. There are two parts to marriage. There's erasin and esuin. Erasin is step one kedushin. We'll learn mesechtas kedushin. A young man under the chuppah hands the ring to the lady. Daniel Manchik's going to take a ring. He's going to say to a woman, Hariyat Mekudeshesli, he's going to say to a young lady, Hariyat Mekudeshesli betabas zu kedas meishev Yisrael. He's going to put the ring on her finger in front of two witnesses. They are married, Kedushim. Are they allowed to live with each other? Absolutely not. She's forbidden to the world. They are still not allowed to live together. She's also forbidden to him. That's what we call Kedushim, Erusim. Then there's a second step they're going to have, Yichud. They'll go into a room together, a base Astar. Machlaikas Rishayim, what the Yichud is, where Chuppah takes place. Was the Chuppah under the Chuppah that we were all watching? Svardim don't even do Yichud. Svardim go under a talus together. I do think that I'm going to have my kids either all marry Svardim or we're just going to call each ourselves Svardim. What the Svardim do at the Chuppah, that it's worth it to marry. Me and Martha went wild. Avi married a Svardi. Avi Lachmedet. Fiery, precious. Lofty Ben Avi Lachman got married. And he married a girl from the Svardi family. And they have that minag. For sure, I want my kids to do this. I asked my father, Rishos, already, will he disown me? For all my kids, at the chuppah, what Svardim do is the parents walk the girl halfway down the aisle, then they stop. The young man proceeds to walk. It is, I couldn't, I was ready to burst out crying. I just didn't want to, like, distract from everybody else enjoying the chuppah. But... If I was more real, I would have burst out crying. The Avi walks down from the chuppah, comes halfway down the aisle. The parents have stopped walking down the girl. The chassan katan comes down. He like asks, I think, I, you have to know what's going on. There's a lot of hugging and whispering going on. I think the chatan, you have to ask a real svarty. I think he's supposed to ask permission from the parents to marry their daughter. That's any way to derech eretz. You never propose to a girl till you ask her parents' permission. Never, never. 
Yes, it's Derech Eretz, Derech Eretz Kadma Lutaira. I do think the Chatan, the Svaridim amongst us, do they, I think they ask Rishus. He says, can I marry your daughter? To, to, the Chatan asks his future father-in-law and mother-in-law. I don't know this conversation. I think he's asking Rishus. They, they then give him Rishus. They, the parents proceed to walk to the Chuppah, and then the Chatan and the Kala walk, to, walk together down the Chuppah. It is like riveting. It's really something special. You're... There's something about it where the parents gave their daughter and it's so, the, the ceremony is just very moving. This is Svaradim Du. Very, very cool. Lemaisa, Lemaisa it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful experience to watch this, um, this experience. Now I got such, I got so excited, Martha. Oh, so we know that, that there's Erisin and then Nisuin. What Nisuin is, the second step of Kedushin, Svaradim don't have a Yichud room. Svaradim don't even do a yichud room, I believe, but Ashkenazim do a yichud room. I've already done Svaradi weddings with some of our guys who were Svaradim. We pretended to have a yichud room because, like, everybody does it. The guy doesn't want to be weird, so everybody sings and dance. We have somebody hiding in the yichud. It doesn't matter. Like, there's no, it, <laughs> there's no. It's funny that the Abim go into the yichud room and look around have to make sure it's a real yichud. I'm always waiting for one of our guys. Our guys are geschmack. Like, I'm surprised nobody's made the trouble. You really should do it because the Adam have a job to make sure it's empty. I never like ceremony. It should be real. I always want to find, I was just an aide at Avi's wedding. I was hoping, like, to find Martha Weinberg, like, in the closet. Like, if Adam have a task to do, like, it should be for a purpose. I always, you check under the table, you make sure the room's empty. Now, you never want, we don't stand on ceremony. We do things because it's true. So the Adam are making sure there's a real yichud. Anyways, <laughs> I thought like looking in the closet and Chaim Gerber jump. Ah, okay, thank you, Chaim. I, like you just, this is not ceremony. I'm checking the room. It's funny. I'll tell you something funny that Rev Heineman, I, I don't know this as a fact. Rev Heineman in Baltimore, you know, he sells all the chametz, everybody in Baltimore, to the guy. And then after Pesach, he buys it back. He tells the guy that every year I want you to take one person's chametz and say, I'm not selling it back. This way it's real. He asks the guy to take one person. I'm not selling it back. <laughs> so one person. I don't know if it's true. I heard this. If we have any Baltimore guys, if they could check it out. We have a lot of Baltimore guys. Somebody in Baltimore verifies if this is true or not. I heard that Rav Heinemann asked the guy one customer a year, refused to sell it back and just take all his comments. I love that because I don't like ceremony. Things have to be, we're real. We're not pretend. We sold them the chametz. That's very real. But just to like make everybody realize this is not ceremony. One person here, sorry buddy, the guy is not selling it back. I like that. I happened to want Marduk to hide once. I, it could be I just messed up. Please don't do it But anybody's except where I'm there. Because I don't want to have people angry at me. What did you teach? But anyway. Don't hide, don't hide. I'm going to get in trouble with this one. It's being taped. Maish Raymer, maybe take this off the tape, leave it on. I don't know. Kitzur Advarim, Kevin. Kitzur Advarim, like this. The Kitzur Advarim, Kevin, is that, um, so you have Erison and Esuin. The first part of marriage is Kedushin. She's ushered to the world, and then Esuin. In our relationship to Hashem, there is Erison and Esuin. The first step of our relationship to Hashem is faith. Is I do the mitzvah, you said to do it. Then there's the yodat as Hashem. The relationship gets deeper and better, we start understanding. Of course, at first I do it because he said, that's the erison. Nesuin, the deeper relationship with Hashem is he wants me to think. It doesn't mean I fully understand why Hashem commanded. But, yes, yes. I'm proud. Tell me right. No, tell me right. I'm saying it wrong. It could be I'm saying it wrong. I should have the Pasuk in front of me. Yitzhi's saving me. Look up the Pasuk. But I'm probably saying it wrong. But the two parts of the relationship to Hashem, thank you so much. The two parts of the relationship to Hashem, let's read it right. That is very important. Thank you. Let's read it right. The Eiras Tich Li 
Did I say that right now? And then at the end, Step one, it's a Pasuk in Aisheya. The first part of the relationship to Hashem is Emunah, is faith. You said Hashem, I listen. Nisuin is I start understanding the mitzvahs. I start thinking, why does Hashem want me to do this? Now, it doesn't mean, Effie, that I'll have the full reason why Hashem wants me. But He wants us to be misplaining. Mitzvahs make us smart. And you can analyze mitzvahs. You're doing it either way. The Pasuk Rev Hirsch says, Seichel toiv People who maishi are doers of mitzvahs, then they get a seichel toiv. They get a lot of intelligence. It is kedai to get smart from your tefillin. We put them on and do it. But then it's Kedai to think about it. Why is Hashem telling me to wrap my hand? Get smart from the mitzvah. Connect to the mitzvah. Try to understand it. It doesn't mean we'll figure out the whole depth of what Hashem's telling us. But a big part of the relationship is Me'oivai, from my enemy, to Chachmeni Mitzvah Mitzvahs make me smart. What? Yes, and it also makes me smart. It makes me, because it gives me advantage. I'm sorry? The Oivai are those that, the Yetzirah, that tries to get me to stop. Mitzvahs give me battle plans and battle in the Yetzirah. Studying mitzvahs gives me Yetzirah for service. That is the simple pshat of me Oivai. I would like to share a drash with the Oivai that is not simple pshat. I want to share, it is the truth, what we're about to share. I want you to hear this. I want Shalom to hear this. Shalom here? Okay. I want you to hear this. Me'oivai techakmeni pashapshat means that from my enemy, over my enemy, mitzvahs make me smart. Shalom, I want you to hear this. Mitzvahs make me smarter than my enemy. Daniel in trash, a different shot. May Oivai from my enemy to Chakmeni Mitzvaisecha. I get smart in the mitzvahs from my enemy. From my enemy, I learn how to do mitzvahs. It's drash. Not mitzvahs make me smarter than my enemy. My enemy teaches me how to do mitzvahs. You can learn from your enemy how to do mitzvahs. May Ivey, not over my enemy, but from my enemy, I can get smart in mitzvahs. What does that mean? How does my enemy help me do mitzvahs? There are tremendous things you can learn from how we fall to how we grow. And I would like to study one today. One more time, MJ, I want every guy, write it later, Hevra. Don't write it now, everybody focus. MJ, from how we fall, we can learn tremendously how to grow. May Ivai, from my enemies, I can learn how to become smart in mitzvahs. From your way, our way of falling, we can learn how to grow. From our enemy, we learn how to grow. There are tremendous things you can learn from our enemies. I would like to share one. I would like, I want MJ, I want everybody to hear this. I want to discuss how the enemy trains you and I how to grow. And there are endless things you can learn from our enemy. Our enemy is very smart and teaches us battle plans how to grow. There's a whole you like this, Daniel, to learn from our enemy. Many, many things. In Derech, the, the, the Gra's brother wrote a Sefer, Maila Satira. He asks, it says in Pagabam and Novel Zed, if the disgusting guy shall bumps into you, the Yetzirah, Mashcheyu Medrash, drag him to the base Medrash. Why am I bringing him to the base Medrash? I go to the base Medrash. The answer is, bring him in. He has a share to deliver in the base Medrash. You hear me? If the enemy bumps into you, if you chance the Yetzirah, bring him to the base. Bring him to the base. No, she's a jerk. I run away and I leave him. I quickly lock him out. I picture, I'm very visual. If I was you, a picture of a guy running and running, quickly lock the door, he's coming. You bring him in. I don't know. 
bring him in. He has a share to deliver. If you bump into the eight Sahara, know that he has a lot to deliver in the base Medrash. By the way, a guy falls, he watches inappropriate things. He could just lock the eight Sahara. Oh, stop, not with the base. Or he could say, my enemy taught me I'm craving for a relationship. Bring him to the base Medrash. He has a share to deliver. He might tell you, by the way, that you need relationships. Don't lock him out of the base Medrash. Bring him in. He was telling you you're craving something. You're absolutely craving. Bring, let him say share in the base Medrash. He has what to teach. In Sin, the Gemara says, bring him into the base Medrash. So there's much to learn from our enemy. Chaim Guri brilliantly spoke on the sugi of Kass. He said anger. So guys, we, we asked Chaim to speak. I was expecting him to like rip anger, to get angry at anger. I was expecting Chaim to scream and yell and give a tirade till we were all like, he beat up anger. And Chaim Guri said, anger taught you it's a marker. You value something. Aaron Metz spoke brilliantly and beautifully and was vulnerable to us. Described getting upset. He described when things weren't needed in his room, getting upset. I'm like thinking, when things are not needed in my room, I'm not really that very upset. It marked to him that Seder is very important. What angers you is very important. You actually learn something about yourself. So if you bump into the Eight Sahara, bring him to the base Medrash. So many people run away, oh, I was so bad, I'm terrible, and they lock him out. He taught you a lot of stuff. So Chaim Guri taught how to bring anger into the base Medrash. He taught you things. Now, good, there were bad parts to it. You can get smart from your enemy. You're supposed to get smart from your enemy. I want to speak about a specific way that our enemy works that is so sophisticated and is so relevant to a process of growth that I want to share with you guys. The healthy way of growing, and I learned this from the Yitzhahara. I'm going to speak about drugs. I apologize. It's not a nice topic, but I want to get smart from my enemy. Take a young man and he swears he's never touching hard stuff. He swears. Smart guy. It's a normal person. He knows Xanax and the like are dangerous, are life-threatening, very dangerous. They destroy brain cells, does dangerous stuff. And the guy swears he's not engaging in that. And this youngster who doesn't want to feel, scary to feel, very scary to feel. If he stops marijuana, he's going to feel sad because he went through stuff. It's very scary to feel. He's very afraid to feel. Awfully, you also could feel good if you feel, but he'd rather not feel at all. So he doesn't want to feel. And he has feelings that aren't very good inside of him. And he can't handle those sad feelings, difficult feelings, lonely feelings, all the feelings of inadequacy, of insecurity, all different types of feelings. He doesn't want those feelings. And he numbs, he takes marijuana, a lighter drug, if you will. And this way he doesn't feel. When you tell him you're taking it to avoid feelings, he doesn't know what you're talking about because it's not an act of thought. Hey, I feel this. He doesn't know what. He just knows that when he takes it, he feels good. But the reason he feels good is there were bad feelings inside. Medicine. And now he doesn't have the bad feelings. It's very... <laughs> he, he couldn't for many years. His only way of feeling good. He had all different feelings of insecurity, of discomfort. And he had something that released it. None of us like feeling bad. So he had a trick not to feel bad. Now he'll never feel good either because he just doesn't feel very much. And he trains himself that to, he trains himself not to feel very, very dangerous because feelings, Hashem made us with feelings. It's remarkably dangerous to train yourself not to feel. Amazingly, I, it's wildly dangerous. It's a lifelong danger. A guy took young because he trains his mind. Feeling equals bad, even a sad feeling. Sad feeling's not bad. I'm feeling sad. But he just trains himself not to feel. Very dangerous move. That's what it means. But the guy says, I am not taking hard stuff. That I won't do. That's, that can kill brain cells. That does serious damage. So every young man decides I'm doing it. He's also not doing it a lot. 
me a little bit. He has like, I don't want to be a pothead and out and out. It takes away drive and energy and structure. And it takes out just a little bit. I need it. Feelings hard. It gave me a reprieve. A little bit. He's not doing it too much. And he's not doing hard stuff. Every youngster starts just at night. Just, just. Then all of a sudden he's doing it more and more. And every boundary put that he's not going to do, he breaks every boundary it's more and and he puts up new boundaries along the way okay okay once first he had once a week never more and he can hold out he has all the big old feelings but he focuses in he has a way to numb some feelings once a week once a day once an hour he breaks all the boundaries and then he researches the hard stuff. He now is going to break after eight to ten months. It's the secret of marijuana. It stops working. It doesn't do the effect. He still sticks to it because it was his best friend in the world. It was the only thing that numbed difficult feelings. So he keeps at it, but it stops helping. It's the terrible friend that he just doesn't want to betray anymore. He keeps to the terrible friend for years, but it stopped working eight to ten months but he's still loyal to that terrible friend. And then he goes to harder stuff that he swore he'd never do, but now he researches. Nobody wants to get hurt. He researches to do it the safest way. He, fit, he beat the system and he breaks that barrier also. And what all of us learn from our enemy, our enemy that's destroying a human being and he let himself, and he comes up with all sorts of theories why he's not destroyed. But he, he's been destroyed, but the Yitzhahara is brilliant. If he told that young man, time one, go write the hard stuff, never. Never in a million years. He makes us break a hundred barriers till there, brings us closer, 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 till we break that barrier also. The Yitzhahara is brilliant. That youngster, minute one, would never do hard stuff. He swore. He, by the way, by the way, the young kid, a parent once told me, I can't believe my kid is smoking. He's the kid when he was in seventh grade who made fun of all the smokers and ripped all the smokers. If anybody with intelligence knows, that's the kid who's going to smoke. The kid who's never going to end up smoking doesn't rip smokers. Because it wasn't the sugi by him. A lot of guys tell me, Rebbe, I was the guy who ripped going to Waterbury. If you want to know who's coming to Waterbury, find the ninth graders who ripped Waterbury. They'll be here within a year, a year and a half. Because it means he's grappling with the sugya. The guy who ripped smoking means that he's probably going to smoke soon. The kid who most knocked all the smokers, made fun of them, said it was... The kid who's never smoking never made fun of smoking either. It just wasn't a sugya. I, Baruch Hashem, a, a, a cigarette hasn't gone to his lips. I smelled cigarettes. I haven't smoked it. I'm zero temptation. I don't have a temptation to bite the Habdullah candle. I have zero, not on Purim, not on Hanukkah, not on Simchas Torah. I don't have a temptation to bite the Habdullah candle or to smoke. It's, there's nothing, there's, not, there's, there's no Hanad here. So... The, but, so I never made fun of it in seventh grade. The kid who grappled, who ripped the smokers, is because he's struggling and thinking about smoking. So that kid in young years ripped. He's never doing hard stuff. Even marijuana he ripped. The Yitzhahara could not get him to do hard stuff. What he does is he moves over the line, moves over. The enemy is brilliant. And he gets us to push the line a little bit. A little bit, just, just, just. And you watch the person deteriorate and you're over lines that you swore you'd never be able. And then you have, he moved you so slowly, you have good shtick l'chtayru, why it wasn't so bad. He never could have gone mitchilu from here to there. He just made you break many, many lines along the way. That's how the enemy works. It's very important to know how he works. I once was at a bris of a big, of a friend of mine, a big tzaddik, and my friend is close to a chassidish rebbe who's a very big person as well. He's close to a big chassidish rebbe. This chassidish rebbe is a mile. He does bris mil. So he came to his bris. It was a very small crowd. 
Shmaka Hamish Shabris, small crowd, the men separate, the men and ladies separate, the men, the ladies, but he sat separate, beautiful Kedusha, did the bris. Then my friend asked the Rebbe, the Talmud Chacham, at the Sodor, maybe you'll share Dvar Torah. He said, I won't speak unless there's a Mechitza here. This crowd, there was no men with tongue players, a few, a few, a few like frummies, it was a very small crowd of like very like serious people were at this bris, and the Rebbe refused to speak. I love that man. I love that man. You might say, come on, just speak. He doesn't speak at mixed events. You'd picture like a mixed event. I promise there was no mingling, no talking, nobody was looking at it. It was like frummies and fr- frummies and bigger frummies were there. There was no mingle. He has a, th- a line. He doesn't talk in the event. There's no mechitzim to the men and the ladies. Now we have a different messiah. In our world, there are different ways. There are different mahalchim, 100%. Everybody has different ways. But I so admire the sense of boundaries that he has. I don't cross that. Because he's very aware of the enemy. The enemy says, I would never tell you. But he gets you this. You're a step closer. He doesn't move from his boundary. He just, it's not, it's not budging. He puts up a lot of walls there so intelligently because he got smart from the way the enemy works. You gotta get the enemy, you gotta know him. Anybody who wants to construct Latayv, it is much more powerful. The enemy is how we should build. May Ivai, from my enemy, I get smart in my performance of mitzvahs. It is a much bigger, more powerful way of building. Move yourself closer to truth. Move your, that's how he builds Lara. That's how we should build Latayv. Take, never call a step too small. The same way he wants a step towards values, that step towards Ra, you have to value the step Latayv. Very shallow people don't celebrate small steps. Big deal. It's a very big deal. The same way the enemy values that tiny step, a step that's like big deal, but he's smart. He knows how life works. The same way the enemy values a step and knows that all he needs is a step, is a step towards the bad, Builders of truth have to value the step letayv. The smallest step letayv, you would, you would say, I don't see any challenge. Okay, so you don't know, so you don't know. You, you haven't learned from the enemy. The enemy teaches us the value of the step lura, and from him we get wise to the value of the step towards taiv. Don't underestimate the tiny step letayv that somebody takes. A step letayv adds Kedusha to your life. A step letayv produces another step letayv. The same, that's what our enemy teaches us profoundly. The enemy shows us that a step towards Ra is all he wants. He knows he can't move you from here to there, but he can move you an inch. That's all he wants, move you an inch. So we have to learn from him. He taught us that a step towards there, you know where it's going. A step the other way, you know where it's going. Never undervalue a step towards Taiv. Never. Never undervalue. A tiny step, what others will, will scoff at and say, that you even move, don't undervalue. We learned that from our enemy. Any serious student of our enemy, drag him to the base medrash. His process is so enlightening. Use his, if anybody knows there's a form, I can't say the word, there's a type of wrestling, I've never been able to pronounce the word, a little weird thing. Somebody will say the type of wrestling that it is, where you use the enemy's strength against him. Aikido. Say it? Aikido. Okay, Aikido. That word I do know, is, I thought it was a different word. How do you say that with, it starts with a J and I connect. Oh, that was the word. Say it slowly. I just can't. Okay. Jiu Jitsu. Yeah, thank you. You learn something new every day. But this Aikido, okay, it was an easier word. I thought it was Jiu Jitsu, but okay, I got that. But it was Aikido, is where you take his strength against him. 
The Yitzhahara is smart and is a teacher. He's a great Rebbe and a Rosh Hashiva. He's one of the great Rosh Hashivas. When he speaks, bring him. I would like to invite the Yitzhahara as a guest speaker for the Hevra. Tehana, enjoy, my friends. The Yitzhahara is a wonderful speaker. And you become brilliant from the Yitzhahara. From my enemy, I get smart. His amazing wisdom, how to destroy a person, is fascinating. We all have friends who are over every line that they swore not to be over. They will tend to try to pull other people over the line they went over to justify that it's not called over the line. But they've broken lines and barriers. How? And once they swore to themselves they would never cross. And they just make new lines after and explain why it's not crossing a line. But the Yetzirah is brilliant. He just had the small step. That Rebbe understood the shear of the Yetzirah, and he doesn't speak when there's no mechitza. Come on, he doesn't speak when there's no mechitza. But he's smart. He has a line and knows how the Yetzirah works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The way to build, Rabbi said, the way to construct is to understand the Yetzirah is tremendous. Use his battle plans. His battle plans are wise. Never undervalue a step towards the good. There's no such thing as a small step. That small step fills a person with value, with holiness, with specialness. You're moving. There's movement. There's moving. The same way he moved you that way, you're now moving this way. He fights the small step. He despises the small step. He despises the small step. I want to say chat in a Gemara Sukkah based on this. It says, in the future, God is going to take out the Yitzhahara and kill him in front of us. There's going to be a public slaying. And God's going to produce the Yitzhahara in front of us all and shoot him dead in the head. And he's going to drop dead and crumble on that day. It's going to kill him. And it says there's going to be an audience. All of us are going to watch the great slaying of the Yitzhahara. And in the crowd are going to be Tzadikim and Rishon. And at this slaying, they're both going to burst out bawling. A lot of crying at this event. Real people cry. Fake people don't. And at this event, people are going to be very real. When the Yitzhahara dies, people get real. Because being fake is Yitzhahara. And he's been shot. Everybody gets real. So everybody's going to cry at the moment of realness. And in the crowd crying, remember, there's no more Yitzhahara. So people cry. So Tzadikim are going to cry and Rishon are going to cry. It's what happens when things get real. So there's going to be crying at that great event. And Rishon are going to be crying and they're going to say, how in the world didn't I beat that puny nothing? He's puny. How didn't I beat him? I don't get it. The guy is so small, I couldn't beat that. He's tiny. They look at him like, I can't believe it. And Sadiqim are going to see a Har Gavaya, a great mountain. They're going to see a monstrosity. And they're going to cry, remembering the pain, the epic struggle to beat that monster. And they're going to be filled with crying, remembering the struggle. And they're going to burst out crying, remembering the struggle. So Sadiqim are crying, looking at the monster, that chiseled tiger beast. And say, oh, do we remember the pain of that guy? And Rishon are going to cry and say, that puny guy, the awareness of his smallness, and say, how did we beat him? And the question becomes, is was he small or big? This is an odd event. You always wonder, does the next guy see what you're seeing? It's like a funny part of life. Colors, you have it if you ever talk to a guy who's colorblind, it's very trippy. <laughs> he doesn't see what you see, like it's a freak out. He doesn't see what you see. It's weird. What color is that light? And he just doesn't see what you It's very. I have brother in laws that are colorblind. It's very. He wears a tie, he cannot tell what colors they're on the tie. It's very strange. It just weirds me out. It's a very good visual. The guy's not necessarily seeing what you're seeing. So that gathering of truth, people in the crowd are bawling about the tiny Yetzirah that, that guy, 
I couldn't beat that guy. And they're bugging out. They're like, that was a dirty word. But okay, Yetzirah's not killed yet. But Lemaisa, they're, they're, they're like all sad that we couldn't beat, that we couldn't beat that puny guy. And Sadiqim are sitting there. And they're like, oh my gosh. The Tsar, what a battle. They remember the tussle with that, that tiger. What are each guy looking at? They're in the same crowd, watching the same slaying, and they're like seeing a, a remarkably different, different beast, the two people. But the way, the way Rabbi said, we're explaining, there's much said on that site and that visual. What's Rabbi Yisrael Salanter has a long piece. I don't want to share it right now. What I want to say to the Hevra is this, the, the, the Rishan, the Rishan's Iker mistake was on the small little step that they took and shouldn't have taken. Shouldn't have taken the small little step. And the simplicity of not taking that small step was what was where they should have won. And Rishon sees something puny and say, how didn't I beat that puny thing? He beat me on a technicality because once he had me moving, I shouldn't have moved. Then already a lot followed. And they see something puny. They're made to be aware when they see the truth. The point that hits them was the small spot. They notice in the moments of truth, the Yitzhar has been shechted as clarity. They're focused on where the battle was, was at a very small place. And that's where they're focused on. Sadikim, what their perception, Mitchila, stays true. They understood that the small leads to more, and they saw the whole thing. They saw the whole beast. And so Sadikim cry at this massive monster, which they were aware of his great, his great strength and his wily plan. And the depths where he was taking, they saw the monster. They saw where it would bring. They saw a giant. And they remember the sense of this giant. I get you, Yetzirah. I get your, I, I've seen others go very far. You may only present subtle and small. I get your whole picture. Sadiqim cry at the monster that they were able to breathe, and Rishayim cry about the small area that they weren't able to notice. That is one shot in what each one is having a realization of. The Kitzer is what is important for us to know is how our enemy fights. It's very smart to know your enemy fights because like that Rebbe, you'll be careful on your boundaries. Don't let your boundaries go. You have boundaries for a reason. Don't let go of your boundaries. You have boundaries for a reason. You're going to learn in Eretz Yisrael. Don't go to that place. You know it's bad. That's your boundary. Don't cross it. Yetzirah is not trying to get you to do that very. He wants you to break your boundary. Keep your boundaries. Keep your boundaries. Understand he doesn't get you to, in the words we say every morning, when we daven Tashem to beat us from our foe, we re- anybody who recognizes his, how the Yetzirah works, we daven, don't bring us Liad in Eretz Yisrael means next to. If you go to Eretz Yisrael, you ask for directions. They say, Zesham Liad HaKikar. Sasham liyad. Liyad means right near. We say, Hashem, don't bring me lidei aver, right next to aver. Don't bring me taveris. The smart, sophisticated person knows the Yetzirah doesn't bring us taveris. He brings you next to taver. The Yetzirah can't get me to do the thing. He can't do that. He just brings me closer, a step closer. So we pray, lidei aver. Don't let me go near. I don't want to be liyad in aver. So we have to understand how our enemy works. Very, very important. And then in figuring out strategies, letayv, we have to bring ourselves closer to the mitzvah. Closer, a better step. Never undervalue the step letayv. Never. That step letayv is precious and important. It's your step, not anybody else's step. You don't, nobody, else, nobody else will necessarily understand your step, but take your step. Take your step, not somebody else's step, your step. A step with time is precious. Somebody else might not understand. I say, you, you call that moving? You call it. It's a very dangerous thing in yeshivas. A bacher is growing and he's not living up to the standards of the yeshiva. 
So they're all mad at him. By the way, he might be doing that much better than another Bach who's living up to the standards. But that guy is already fallen prey to the Yetzirah, the Steplera. If you have eyes, he's in, ensnared by the Yetzirah. And that guy is already free of the Yetzirah because he took a step with Taiv. The danger of a system that doesn't engage a person or know where the person's holding doesn't know what step they've taken. But take that step and don't undervalue that step, Lutayv. We learned this from our Yetzirah. May Oivai Sechachmeni, from my enemy I get smart. That's the first message that I wanted to share with the Chevron. I want, I love that this yeshiva, Rochnius draws Rochnius. It happens to be the topic we just spoke about. Avera Gereris Avera. A step of bad, Toma draws Toma. Kedusha draws Kedusha. I promised the guys when we moved to Durham five years ago, I said a fact to the Hebrew. I said, Sadiqim will end up here a lot. And I know it's true because I've watched it my whole life that good magnets more good. It's the way Hashem designed the world. Good magnets good. Mitzvah gareris mitzvah. I knew a place where sincere people grow. Sadiqim are going to be drawn here. I know it. It was, the yeshiva hired an executive director, a wonderful guy, who decided that it would help publicity and zachin and financially to helicopter tzaddikim here. They were falling out of the sky. To the world, it appeared that an executive director had nothing to do with anything. The executive director was only the, the tool. Hashem could use a bus to bring people. Hashem drives a ship and uses us all to arrange what he wants to arrange. There are sincere people here growing. Tzaddikim are drawn here. And we've had all different Kedolim and Tzaddikim visit us. And it's just the fact that Kedusha draws more Kedusha. Call it the law of attraction, call it whatever you want. It doesn't matter what you call it. I just say the Mishnah. Mitzvah, Gereris Mitzvah, Aver, Gereris Aver. Our enemy knows it. He makes us take a step, Lurach. You're moving his way. He says on such a person, this is my man, I got him. The way to fight the Sahara is to value a step letoiv. A step letoiv is powerful, is amazingly powerful. You've moved, you're going somewhere, you're headed somewhere. That's a value of a step letoiv. The fact that this is a place of Kedosha causes a phenomenon that very good people come to visit us. Rezaycha, that Shmoli has come many Shabbosais, and clearly is a growing person, a Ben I want this a place, but hey, Tyra, pop in, come, share with us. Gain inspiration, give inspiration, and certainly we've gotten a lot from Shmuley Shabbos visits. Here's a young Ben Tyra who's finished tremendous accomplishment, and is somebody who's serious about learning, about steiging, and we're Zaycha. We married Chesed Hashem. I don't say I don't know why. I know why we're Zaycha, because you grow. And you grow draws good people. That's what happens. Kedusha. Draws Kedusha. It's the way life works. If you have Kedusha there, it brings more Kedusha. That's how life works. So I thank Hashem that Shmoli Kushner has joined us for Shabbosos. We're Zayich, amazing person. His yeshiva, he couldn't go back there. Different Corona Shilas. He's allowed it safely here. He didn't violate anything. He's allowed it there. And thankfully, he had, he had a week off from yeshiva. He came to learn Torah here. So I ask Shmuley to share with us and thank him very much for sharing his sincerity and idealism with us. There's a Gemara, there's a Gemara in Masechtas Gitten on Daf Yudalid on Folio 14 that says a story. The Gemara brings a Misa of a man named Rabbi Achi. Rabbi Achi had a deposit. He had a precious silver cup in the possession of some fellows who lived in Narda, in a place called Narda. So he has this precious item of his with some trusted individuals in Narda. And he sends two of his friends two shluchim, two messengers of his, 
one name Rabbi Yossi and one name Rabbi Dustai to go as his messengers to Narda, to these fellows' house, and pick up the silver cup that's there, that's Rabbi Achiz. So Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Dustai go, they go to the, these fellows' abode, they go to the house, and when they get there, they say, they, they knock on the door, they, they, they meet these fellows that were entrusted with the silver cup, and they say, we're here, we're here to pick up the silver cup, we're here on behalf of Rabbi Achi, the owner of the silver cup, and we're here as messengers to pick up his cup. So they, they give him the cup, no problem. And they give him the silver cup. And then they think, they change their mind. These fellows say, we're responsible for this cup. And we don't know who you guys are. We don't want to trust you with this cup. So give it back to us. study one of these messengers say to them, Okay, no problem. We'll give it back to you. And Rabbi Yossi, the other messenger, says no. And by the way, by law, Rabbi Yossi is right. He's allowed to say no. They already handed over. They already handed over the cup. And Rabbi Yossi is allowed to say no. He's a messenger for Rabbi Yossi. He's allowed to go bring it back. Now, these fellows are not taking no for an answer. They start beating up Rabbi Yossi. They start knocking him out. And, and as they're beating him up, they turn to Rabbi Dustoy, who was originally on their side, saying, yeah, you could have the cup back. And they say, look what your friend said. Rabbi Yossi said, we can't, we can't give you, we're not giving you back the cup. And he says, Rabbi Dustoy says to them, good, keep on hitting him. It's good you're hitting him. So, <laughs> they come back, Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Dustoy, these messengers come back to Rabbi Achi, the owner of the silver cup, and Rabbi Yossi, standing there, all full of scabs, all bruised up, scarred, he's standing there, he says to Rabbi Achi, the owner of the cup, he says, not only did this friend, this other messenger, not help me get your silver cup from the fellows, he even told them, it's good they're beating me up. So Rabbi Achi, the owner of this cup, turns to Rabbi Dustoy, the other messenger. He says, what's pshat? He says, what's, what's your deal? Why, are you, why were you doing that? So Rabbi Dustoy responds as follows. He says, Oysan b'nei Adam. He says, those people, those fellows that you had your cup by, Hain Amma, they were an Amma tall, the Chayvan Amma. And their turbans, their hats, were another Amma tall. They were massively tall people, they were gigantic. And he explains they, they were scary, tall, scarily tall. And he says, They spoke from their midsection. <laughs> And you know, any guy that speaks around their midsection, you don't want to mess with the guy. <laughs> a guy, you go to, you go to a store and the, the cashier behind the counter, he speaks from his midsection. He has like a deep, tough, gut voice. You, he could keep the change. You, you're not asking him. To, <laughs> I'll take my goods and get out of here. It's called baritone, right? Is that what it's called in English, Jonathan? Baritone. Is that, can somebody look up baritone? <laughs> Say it with your chest. 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 Say he was explaining that they were scary people. And he says, Their names were terrifying names. Their names were like 
names of animals like lion, tiger. One of their names were elephant, for heaven's sake. Like these, the, it's interesting. You have sometimes kids, they, they play fight. They have like boxing matches, like on a snow day or, or in the living room with like couches and pillows. And they'll like get dressed up. They'll call themselves names for the fight, like for the boxing match. They'll, the, the six-year-old will be like the black dragon and, and the eight-year-old will be the lion. Intimidating names. And here you have these fellows, their names were actually these names. They, their names were like animals. And in explaining to Rabbi Achi, Rabbi Dustoy, in explaining to Rabbi Achi how dangerous these men were, and therefore he couldn't side with Rabbi Yossi to hold back the silver cup. He had to side with these men. He says, if they would say, tie this man up, the man would be tied up on the spot. If they would say, kill this guy, he'd be dead. And then, he, and then Rabbi Dustoy says magical words. Rabbi Dustoy says, I couldn't decide with Rabbi Yossi since Ilu Hargu asked Dustoy, he's speaking in third person, he says, if they would have killed Dustoy, if they would have killed me, me nasan liyanai abba bar who would have given Yanai, my father, another son like me? He says, if I would have got nailed, who would have replaced me as a son to my father? In explaining why he didn't want to give up his life to side with Rabbi Yaisi, he doesn't say, I would have lost my life. I wouldn't have been able to accomplish more. I wouldn't have been able to grow more. I would have been in pain without a life. He says, my father would have a loss. My father would be in pain. Who would, repl- who would fix up my father's loss? What a perspective. His father was in his mind at a time like this. I'm... I want to go to Miami with a couple friends. But what what does my father think about that? I really down to go to a rave and get wasted. But my my mother, but I know my mother would be up until four in the morning worried about me. Rabbi Rabbi Dustoy, he didn't necessarily feel that it was dangerous out himself. Regarding himself, he maybe felt he was a strong enough guy to go against these fellows and side with Rabbi Yaisi, but he had his father in his mind and he held himself back. Very nice, I feel skydiving is safe and I really think it's a good chill and everything's going to be okay. Nobody dies from it, but what about, what are my parents, how do they feel about it? You can be tempted to go skiing off cliff jumps and be, be risky and, and put yourself in dangerous situations and do things that could be bad for your health. But you know you have a mama, you have a tata who love you like crazy. They, they, they love you from here to the moon. You're their flesh and blood. And you hold yourself back because they're in your mind. How cool. We all want to be that cool guy being slick and going off cliff jumps. But how loyal is that son? How special is Rabbi Dustoy who had his father in his mind? I could get hurt and my parents would be in pain. I could, I could be in danger... And my parents would be at a loss. Who would replace their pain? Rabbi Dustai says, Me nasan lianai abba barakim maisi. Who would give Yana, my father, another son like me? Who would replace that emotional pain, the worries? How unfocused on self is Rabbi Dustai? He's zoned in to how others would feel. The other people's loss if he would put himself in danger. 
and he holds himself back. How cool is our Vizestai? And and if if I if I would be born, it's worth it to be born just to learn this Gemara. Mask him. <laughs> Before we analyze what Shmuley taught us, we're going to play a little game. If John Aaron could go all the way outside, not out, the, we're going to play a game. Jonathan, all the way outside. Watch this game. Watch this game. This is on the limb. Watch this game. Max, check out this game. Give me, give me 30, count to 30 seconds. And I come all the way out so you don't hear. We're going to play a good game. No cheating. All the way outside in the cold. We're going to play a quick game. Okay, make sure the door closed. He can't hear. He's very good water berry historian. And anybody who ever witnessed... I can't hear. Anybody who's ever been in Yeshiva knows Shmuley spoke beautifully. I'm going to analyze more than what he said. I'm going to analyze some other stuff. But the Bacher that he most resembled, whoever learned here in all the years, is Shimmy Schiller. And I'm going to explain it, and you'll see that Jonathan will be mechavan. I'm going to ask him. He's a Waterbury historian. We're going to call him back in. I just had to send him out that we didn't plan this. And I'm going to ask him. Watch this. Okay. Took this long for me to get a Jonathan, like this. <laughs> we want to play a game. We want to play a game. The yeshiva is 12 years old. Jonathan knows the history of the yeshiva. Which bacher? Which. Bacher did Shmuley resemble in his speech over the 12 years, and the guy very, is... Very, hard answer. <laughs> so hard. Say it out. Stop it, Shmuley. <laughs> Who was it? Shmuley. Diggy doubted us. Diggy doubted us, Pretty good, guys, no? <laughs> <laughs> Did we prepare this before? <laughs> okay. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna analyze Rabbi Say what Shmuley just did. We could speak about his vert. I don't want to speak about his vert, though his vert's tremendous. I wanna say to the Chevra that Rabbi Vigda Miller, when he learned the Chazal, he chewed a Chazal. He reminded me of Shimmy Schiller. Red Miller ate a chazal like you and I eat a fancy steak. You don't eat a fancy steak fast. Just don't. You eat it, you chew each little piece, enjoy. Right, Raison will teach you how to have a barbecue. You don't, you don't like gobble up an oyster steak. He serves it at the end, it's dessert. Classy people in generally eat slow and savor their bites. The carbon Pesach does an isser to break a bone. Because like a guy who's, who's just so hungry and cheap t- attacks a steak and breaks all the bones. There's an iser the rice to break a bone. You're supposed to eat classy and dignified. Chew it. Rav Vigda Miller would learn Gemara. He'd say over a chazal, he cherished it. He knew it was an expensive steak. Shimmy Schiller, when he learns, says a piece of Gemara. He knows this is like there's something valuable here. You chew it slowly. The way Shmuley just says over a Gemara is a Kiddush I want you to know that the visual, the picture that he's learning, he wasn't doing it. If you think that he was doing that, if somebody was wondering, I get this, tell me the story fast. We all miss the story. I always tell you I'm a visual learner. Shmuley is like, like Shemi Schiller. They, he brought us to the story. We were all there. And that's how to learn Torah. You got to visualize Go through, what did you say? I have bruises. <laughs> <laughs> I was like nursing the wounds. So, so Shmuley brought us, yeah, he was like, the, the poor, I saw Victor like, like getting, his body was like watching the story. We just watched the game on the radio, Hevra, and what Shmuley, the Vardy said is secondary to how he read a Gemara to us. And that's always how you should learn. If we would learn more carefully, Knowing that there are pearls there, you'd read it slower, more visually, you would see remarkable things in Torah. You would see remarkable things in Torah. It's the attitude towards a piece of Torah. You have, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. You have to know that coming in. We read it. I got, I got it. I got the Gemara. Uh, okay. Read it. Visualize. Say it again. There's so much there in a piece. 
when you go through the story and savor Chazala giving us a story, Gemara Yudalit and Gittin is sharing a story. There's a lot there. Just the way he read a piece of Gemara, I can't, we could talk about the word. I just want to describe what I compared to Shemi. The English vocabulary was excellent, but the way he was there with the Gemara and he used vocabulary to like visualize, to not let it be still. The altar of Kelm says that words get old in us, so use new words for things. It doesn't get old, but whatever it takes, take a piece of Gemara and get yourself seeing what's happening. You'll learn worlds. Shmuley shared a specific, but he shared a lot just reading a Gemara to us. I thank Shmuley tremendously for being here this week and for sharing us the Gemara and the Gemara. For those who want translations, there were like six words of the day that you have to ask Shmuley after, abode, and other words. Fantastic. Excellent. Excellent. What did you say? A folio is the page. Good, good, good. Yeah, there were a few words of the day. Yeah. Excellent. Very important.